I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to the number one highest rated podcast for gun rights in the United States, and that is, of course, Gun Lawyer. And that's not according to me, but that's according to Feedspot. Very proud of that, and I'm only there because of you, you the listeners, who I love to talk to and try to bulletproof in this anti-gun world that we live in that just want to crush our rights and turn us all into criminals. And man, these are crazy times, as I'm sure you know, and gun ownership is more important than ever. And that's just a fact. So we're going to get into some exciting news. And of course, I have the gun owner fuck up of the week to tell you about at the end of the show, which is that time where you get to learn from others' mistakes for a very reasonable price called free, and that way you don't have to repeat the nightmare that these folks go through, and that's part of what the purpose of this show is. But let me get to the really exciting news, uh, and that is that the Supreme Court of the United States, what we like to call SCOTUS, you know, the, the uh, an acronym for Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS. SCOTUS has granted certiorari, which means they will be hearing the case challenging the federal bump stock ban. So this is really great news that they're taking this on, I believe. Now, granted, we could always have a risk of losing, but I feel cautiously optimistic and it's really great to see that they've chosen to uh, take this up. Now, this bump stock ban, as you may or may not recall, was actually initiated under President Trump. And, of course, President Trump is a solid Second Amendment you know, guardian. But here, to many of us, it was... Um, something that we were highly critical of, of course. But although there were factors about this bump stock ban, political, and I don't mean giving in to the other side, but in fact tactical, where there is some political danger here that what the bigger plan of the anti-gunners with bump stocks is to show and utilize the function of a bump stock, which, by the way, simulates machine gun fire, full automatic fire out of a semi-automatic. It simulates it. I like to say it creates a simulation of inaccurate machine gun fire. And, and of course, they are fun to shoot. But the idea would be for to utilize this to create a ban further on semi-automatic firearms by further blending the... Uh, the difference uh, away, getting rid of the difference between full auto and semi-auto by using this as a tool. And that was actually part of the plan uh, to do that. But we as gun owners need to put it forward in the other way. And that is that it's not that semi-auto should be banned, but machine guns need to be legalized. They need to be uh, allowed to be made again. The Hughes Amendment needs to be repealed. There's nothing inherently evil about full auto. It's a ridiculous distinction. So what? 
you're shooting rounds out a gun. What difference as to how fast they fire does that make at all? This is silliness when you get right down to it. A firearm is a firearm is a firearm. And uh, anyway, putting aside the politics of whether that was a good or bad decision, uh, the good news is the way it's getting challenged here has a lot of significance to the incredible amount of abuse that Biden is doing through the agency of the ATF and the Justice Department in their abuse of their administrative and executive powers uh, to go after guns when they cannot get gun laws passed through the legislature. So they abuse agency discretion. And in fact, that is what this case is centered upon. It is not a Second Amendment case, per se. It's not a case where we're arguing necessarily uh, as a key basis here for the challenge. It is rather that it's framed as a separation of powers dispute so that our side is arguing that the agency itself lacked the authority to issue this ruling because bump stocks do not fall under the legal definition of machine gun. And, uh, and, and, and at best, the law is ambiguous at best. And therefore, it would be something that the legislature would have to do, not an agency, not an agency. And the uh, arguments there are pretty, are pretty clear uh, that it is plainly something that does not fall under the actual definition of machine gun. Because machine gun says it, it, it is a weapon which shoots is designed to shoot, it can be readily restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. And that's the key. With a bump stock, you still are pulling the trigger for every shot. That's inescapable. That's, it just allows you to pull the trigger faster. So it doesn't fall under this definition of machine gun. And, and, the court is focused on that agency overreach, an, an abuse of agency powers. This is another swipe at bureaucracy, which always makes me cheer, and I bet it does you too. So this is where I'm looking forward greatly to the court, hopefully knocking down the agency's powers to do this, and then the ramifications for this opinion, however they end up discussing the agency overreach and whatever test or law they create that should limit agency overreach, particularly with firearms here. Well, guess what? That's going to apply to Biden's other agency bans, including the pistol brace ban, which is agency overreach, including the Biden interpretation of who is a dealer, who has to be licensed as an FFL. They, they, they almost now want to make it that if you sell a gun for a profit, one gun, they can declare you to be a dealer. It will go at 
all these approaches that Biden has done, getting ATF and the Justice Department through Garland to promulgate agency abuse and to expand the uh, gun laws to applications that they were never intended to have. So this is a uh, fascinating, great case to watch and uh, greatly looking forward to seeing how the court uh, rules on this and particularly its implications uh, to knock down what is essentially the entire Biden anti-gun agenda that has been pushed through by agency overreach. So stay tuned for that excitement. Now, let me tell you, I get a lot of great letters from my listeners who I really appreciate. And I got a whole pile of letters here, and these are really interesting questions. And I'm going to go through these letters with you, and you can see the kind of uh, fascinating questions uh, that I get. And I will not only read you the letters with the questions, but I'll try my best to answer them. So let's take a look here. This is from Lorenzo. Now, Lorenzo sent a question regarding uh, carry in pharmacy. Carry in a pharmacy. Hi, Evan, big fan. Been listening to your podcast religiously every week. I called you once because I'm a proud gun owner with a PTC, and I own a retail pharmacy. You touched upon this in your last podcast. The fact that I own a pharmacy supersedes the sensitive places law. My question is, I have a sign outside my door showing my support that says concealed carry is permitted in the premises. Does that allow someone to come in concealed in my retail pharmacy, parentheses, a mom and pop store, or can the sign get a potential customer in trouble and perhaps I should take it down? Thanks in advance, Lorenzo. Well, Lorenzo, thank you very much for your letter. And let me say, I totally appreciate your sentiment and it's great to have folks that are proud not only to be gunners, but to welcome gun owners. However, yep, here's the however. However, at the moment, pharmacies, dispensaries of drugs are a sensitive place. And the sensitive place is prohibited in and of itself. And the sign outside welcoming guns applies to the private property sensitive place which is a separate sensitive place from the separate prohibition on pharmacies. So the problem here is that individuals still cannot carry in your pharmacy under the gun law, even though you're welcoming them and they would not be trespassers in your mind at all because you're welcoming them and saying, come on in. But the law says no. However, you personally, Lorenzo, you can have your gun in your pharmacy because one of the overrides to sensitive places are the 39.6 exemptions. And one of the 39.6 exemptions is possession in one's place of business. As long as it's a business that you actually own, it's your business. So you, Lorenzo, can carry in your pharmacy. But at the moment, unfortunately, others are prohibited as a sensitive place, even though you would welcome them if it wasn't a sensitive place and was simply under the private property prohibition where property open to the public doesn't need a sign 
folks can carry there as long as it's not otherwise a sensitive place. But even private, but if it's private property, meaning not open to the public, then you could put up a sign and individuals would be welcome to carry on the private property. But even if it's public property, and if it was not a sensitive place, and you had that sign, that would just be a great show of support and saying something that's very smart. Because by saying that concealed carry is welcome, that gives potential bad guys second thought about robbing your store because you are welcoming law-abiding citizens that are armed to protect themselves and by default you. So thank you, Lorenzo, for the question. But for now, I would not have that sign out because if individuals don't uh, understand, they themselves could be getting into trouble that I'm sure you don't want to have happen to anybody. But uh, we're working on that. We're working on these sensitive places. The uh, Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, you know, one of the sponsors of this show, they are in the courts as we're speaking, litigating over these sensitive places. And they've had great success. We're in a tremendous battle. And uh, we had a fantastic opinion in the lower court from Judge Bum. We're in the appellate level now. They've put a stay on some of the things that were enjoined, but um, progress is being made, and I believe ultimately we're going to be victorious and hopefully knock out every one of these sensitive places. But for now, the fight is on. We're in this transition period, so you have to obey the law so you don't end up losing your gun rights. And this fight is done by ANJRPC.org. They are the premier gun rights group in New Jersey, and every one of my listeners needs to be a member of association. They have a full-time paid lobbyist in Trenton on the legislative front. Like I said, in the courts, I work closely with counsel and with leadership in that group. We were able to uh, fix, if you will, the no serial number gun ban. We did that without having to even litigate. We were able to fix the training requirements that were just unbelievable, you know, the John Wick training requirements, and now we have them down to very basic core core competency that any competent gun owner can achieve and get their permit. So please be, be part of the solution and join ANJRPC and uh, visit their website to uh, get the membership. Here's a letter from Matt. Matt writes regarding threaded muzzle devices. Now, Matt raises an interesting question. And these are the kind of questions where I go, oh, my God, I got to really think about this. And uh, Matt says, hi, Evan. I've been listening to your show since episode one, and I look forward to each of your episodes. Your show is a wonderful resource for gun owners, and I appreciate the work you do. Well, thank you, Matt. I understand per NJ law that a threaded barrel on an AR-style rifle constitutes an offending feature per the assault weapon law. And how to get around this is to have the muzzle brake pinned and welded to the barrel. What if the muzzle brake itself features extended external threads, such as uh, Herwork's muzzle brake QD, which can accept silencers or non-NFA blast deflectors? It would be great to tame the obnoxious concussion from the break with a blast deflector. But obviously, I do not want to find myself facing prison time. And that is smart. 
And this is an interesting question. So what is the offending feature? The offending feature is listed in the Attorney General guidelines. Now remember, these guidelines came about from the case that I started, which was State v. Merrill, which was the first time we got the law declared unconstitutional in state court based on vagueness over the term substantially identical. And then the state gun rights group brought the challenge into federal court, and that's when the Attorney General promulgated the 1996 guidelines that we live by, and those guidelines are where we find the offending features. And the offending features are how we determine whether something's an assault firearm. And it begins by whether it's a rifle that uses a detachable magazine, so that's the starting point. So an AR, assuming it's a standard AR, that has a semi-automatic action and uses a detachable magazine. Now there are six offending features, and you cannot have more than one. You're allowed one, but no more than one. You know, this starts sounding like the Monty Python gag of the uh, holy hand grenade. You may have one, but no more than one, nor shall you have three. But anyway, one is what you're allowed. And what are they? Well, they are a pistol grip, so most ARs have the pistol grip, so there's your one offending feature. Then you cannot have a threaded muzzle. You cannot have a uh, you cannot have a flash hider on there. You cannot have a bayonet lug. You cannot have a folding or telescoping stock, and you cannot have the all-time popular grenade launcher. Make sure you know a grenade launcher. I know a lot of you like to go out grenade launching on the weekends, but that is not allowed in New Jersey. So what about this? Well, this is not a threaded muzzle, is it? It's not threaded barrel. This is a threaded compensator. Now, the compensator is fixed and welded to the barrel, not because it is the barrel itself, but because it destroys the threads of the threaded barrel itself. So by pinned and welded, you don't have a threaded barrel. You do not have that thread muzzle. You don't have that. The pin and welding is to destroy the threading and make that offending feature no longer a feature. So it appears to me that the device that's threaded is not the barrel. That's not the barrel. As far as New Jersey looks at what a barrel would be defined as. Now, federal law may take an opinion of that if it's welded and attached in such a way that you can get beyond on the length of a barrel, but there's nothing out there on New Jersey on what actually constitutes the barrel or the barrel length. So this becomes a very interesting issue on debating whether this is or isn't an offending feature. Remember, the offending feature is from guidelines by the Attorney General. Guidelines to determine assault firearm, which is not actually law per se, but treated as such because it's guidelines. So this becomes a very difficult problem. And although I believe I could defend you if you had such a device, I believe that if you had it, you're taking a risk. And that's really what we have to consider in Jersey is the risk assessment of this. And I would say don't do it simply because you don't need to become the test case
on this very interesting issue. Like I said, I feel confident that we would be able to present what we needed to present, but you don't need to be in that fight. And for now, I would say do not do it, especially since we are making tremendous progress in the courts on the assault firearm challenge. And that hopefully the whole law is going to get tossed as unconstitutional. So in the meantime, let's play it conservatively. But I thank you for that question. And it is an interesting, fascinating question to think about. Hey, when we get back, I have some more great questions from listeners. And we're going to tell you the gun owner fuck up of the week. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. really appreciate the time that we get to spend together and one of the ways that that is made possible is by the great sponsors of this show and one of my favorite sponsors is we shoot we shoot is a target range a wonderful range in lakewood and really is i'm not just saying that because they're a spot i that's where i myself got certified for my uh carry license and they have a lot of really great fun events. What a great staff. Just a great place. You really need to check out We Shoot. It's so conveniently located right there in Ocean County, Lakewood, right there, that area, Monmouth as well. Super easy to get to. And, you know, we really need our ranges. That's where, without ranges, where are we going to shoot? Let me tell you about something really fun going on at We Shoot. We Shoot is doing the Thanksgiving turkey hunt. Now, this is really neat. What they have is a, and I'm not kidding, they have a ballistic gelatin turkey. That's right. This is a basically a 12 and a half inch, 25 pound ballistic gel turkey target. And you get to have this great day at the range where you can shoot up this turkey. 
and this is set for November 15th. And you can fill, you can, hey, it's Thanksgiving. You can stuff this turkey full of lead. That's the turkey stuffing for this turkey. Now, I have actually shot the ballistic gel teddy bear that we shoot did. That was awesome. And you know who loved it? My wife. My wife loved that. It was just a ton of fun. And, you know, this is a great way to bring your spouse or your your significant other, your family, and have a great fun time shooting up this ballistic gel turkey. And you get to keep the turkey at the end. You get to keep it. It's really cool. It's like we have our teddy bear here on the shelf. It's a giant gummy bear. Thing's pretty cool. And um, you can check it out at We Shoot USA website. You can click on it um, to do this for, they have a great deal on this. It you get for you get one hour of range time. You get the ballistic gelatin turkey that you get to keep and shoot up and stuff full of lead for $179.99. And it includes, by the way, two participants for that. You get two range passes for that. You get a gun rental included for that. And if you want to have some extra folks... You could have two extra for just 25 bucks extra to have this great, wonderful day at the range shooting up this turkey for Thanksgiving. And uh, what a blast. These uh, ballistic gelatin targets are really, really fun to shoot up. Trust me, you will love it. So check out We Shoot. They have phenomenal training, great facility, great people. It is a great resource. And uh, and I'm not just saying that, but I personally go there and can endorse it. So check out We Shoot. Now let's take a look at another great letter here from, this is from Shlomi. And Shlomi says, I know you cannot go into a private school with a firearm. However, what about dropping off my kids in school on school parking lot? Would that be okay or not? Thank you so much for everything you do in our community. Show me. Well, the problem with schools is it's not just a sensitive place under the carry killer law, but it's also a prohibited place and has been under 39.5, which has been our classic prohibitions, for a while. So you can't have the firearms even on the school property even when they're cased and unloaded. So you cannot take your gun on the school property. Unlike other sensitive places where it's simply a sensitive place restriction, where you can secure the firearm cased and unloaded, you know, in that lockbox as we've discussed on other shows, but that doesn't get around it necessarily for school property because there's that separate state prohibition that was already on the books and has been on for years even before the uh, carry killer bill created a additional sensitive place prohibition so my advice is do not bring firearm on school property period that is the answer to that one. Now, Rich sent me 
an email here, a nice question. And Rich says, or is it a question? Oh, let's see what it says. I just wanted to pass on that I ordered and received your 25th anniversary New Jersey gun law book. Great book to browse through and highlight the areas of concern that apply to me. I've gone through the updates on the portal and made annotations in the books to reference those updates. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that your book is a great resource. Also, your podcasts are excellent resource for information as well. I listen weekly. Thanks for your passion and for calling to help out the 2A community. Hey, guess what? No question, but Rich, thank you. I really appreciate hearing that from folks. It's why I do this. It truly is why I do this. It's what I believe in, and I want all of you to be safe and not to become victims of New Jersey gun laws or any other gun laws. I want you to be safe and be able to protect yourself and your loved ones and exercise our Second Amendment rights as intended. So I'm happy to help, and I'm glad, Rich, that you appreciate it, and I appreciate you. And by the way, the book that Rich is talking about, I will now shamelessly promote my book, What a Great Segue. The book is New Jersey Gun Law. It's a book that Rick was talking about. It's over 500 pages. It's 120 topics in question and answer format. You must have this book. It's the Bible of New Jersey gun law. It's the resource on New Jersey gun law. And not only is it going to help you understand and explain, but as Rick even pointed out, he got the annotations. He had his book annotated by what? Ah, the updates. And you know how you get those updates? It's a special great feature of the book. It's 100% free. When you get the book, just scan the QR code on the front of the book. You'll go right to my subscriber portal. It's 100% free. Subscribe. It's free. Within about 24 hours of any gun law change, any significant change in legislation, case law, attorney general opinion, anything, I'm sending out that release by email, that alert, so you know. And the updates are there in the portal. You can download the updates and access any of the old updates. They're all numbered updates. So this way that book stays current and you stay current. It's the only way to remain absolutely current as to New Jersey gun laws so you don't become a victim of New Jersey gun laws. Go to evannappin.com and get your copy today. You'll be glad you did. Hey, here's a letter from Daniel. And Daniel says, with all the new laws being enacted, I was wondering if I'm able to own a gun again. Or oh, actually, I guess it's Danielle. Uh, my husband has a previous record in Pennsylvania. I know you need more information to provide an answer. I was wondering if you had any shows or podcasts that talked about similar situations or no publications that I could read on the subject. Well, thank you, Daniel. And let me tell you, uh, that's an important subject. We call that rights restoration. And that's a very big part of what my law practice is, is doing rights restoration. So various jurisdictions have various ways to get rights restored. Uh, in New Jersey, if you have a criminal conviction, you can get an expungement, possibly. Uh, in Pennsylvania, there may be other mechanisms of relief that you could explore. The idea here is to get your rights restored, or in this case, your husband's rights restored, so that he no longer has a disqualifier 
for gun possession. And we, we in, in the office do restoration of rights not only for criminal matters, but also for mental health records, which in New Jersey, if you've had a voluntary or involuntary commitment, either one, voluntary or involuntary now, you have to get a mental health expungement. That's the only way to restore your rights is by mental health expungement now. That was part of the carry killer, carry killer law. You know, if you have an old restraining order, we can move, do motions to get rid of that. If you have uh, juvenile offenses, we can do juvenile expungements there. There are many ways to get rights restored. So the thing to do is call, call me. Love to speak with you or anybody that wants to get their rights. We love doing rights restoration because we're making the person not only with a positive where they get rights back, but they become a gun owner, a fellow gun owner, with a vested interest in our rights. So, yep, that's what you need to look at. Rights restoration. Give attorney a call to, specific, to discuss your specific circumstance. Here's a letter from Doug. Doug says, uh, regarding transportation. Hello, Evan. When it comes to transportation of, let's say, a second firearm, Parentheses, one that is on my list on file with the local PD. Can it be transported, locked in my console vault, unloaded? Local PD said the lockbox for storage is at a, for sensitive places, not transportation. I would believe I could have only one in there if I'm carrying the other one. Any others would need to be transported following all other transportation laws. Is that correct? Thank you, Doug. Well, Doug, let me tell you something. I made a deal a while ago with law enforcement, and my deal was that if they don't give legal advice, I promise not to arrest anybody. But that deal seems to have fallen through. Now, in this case, however, the law enforcement is actually correct. Yes, even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. Unfortunately, they're correct. And here's why, though. Here's the specifics so you understand what's going on. The law requires that if you're going to carry your firearm, it has to be concealed on your person. Concealed on your person. So if it's not concealed on your person and you're putting it in a locks box, and you're trying to fit under the exemption concerning sensitive places. So you need to be exercising the sensitive place exemption because you're in that sensitive place parking lot. But if you're not doing that, then the lock box isn't relevant to the sensitive place exemption anymore. And you're just transporting a gun in a lock box. Well, the only way you can do that, because your carry permit requires you to carry concealed on your person, is if you're within the 39.6 exemptions. So if you're going to the target range, or if you're going between your home and place of business, or if you're going hunting. But if you're not within exemptions, then the case and unloaded thing doesn't cut it. And here, they would be right, unfortunately. So you want to have two guns, carry them on your person, concealed not in a lockbox. I know that's crazy, but it is actually how the law functions. And 
keep in mind that you can't carry more than two firearms, but you can carry two. And that's why many folks carry two. They carry a backup. So carry that backup concealed on your person in the proper holster, not in a lockbox, even unloaded in your car, unless you're under the specific 39.6 exemptions as to the places that you're traveling to. Okay, here's a question from Elliot. And Elliot says, hello, Mr. Knappen. I listen regularly to your very important podcast. And I wanted to ask you a question about the qualifications for the New Jersey permit to carry. Since New Jersey considers an air gun to be a firearm, can a person use an air gun, pistol, or revolver to qualify? Thank you for all you do for the two-way community. Well, here's another one of those intriguing questions. But the answer to that is technically yes. Technically yes. Believe it or not, an air gun is a firearm. And New Jersey views it as such. An air gun that you fire with one hand is a handgun. And so if you qualify with an air pistol, it's still a firearm. And you can qualify with an air pistol. Now, you're going to have to be able to do the reload, you know, for the core competency, and you're going to have to be able to shoot that air pistol at that max distance eventually at 15 yards, right? You're going to have to put that ammo in that Q target at 15 yards. But if you have an air gun and it's an air pistol that does that, then absolutely there's no reason that that could not qualify you for core competency, and then you could carry any other gun that you lawfully have that you put on the form as a gun you intend to carry. So in theory, you could, in fact, qualify with a Crossman air pistol, right? A Crossman BB gun, if you will, a Crossman BB pistol. And if you qualify with that Crossman BB pistol, you could then proceed to carry a Smith & Wesson 500 Magnum if you chose to. Because what is tested is core competency. It's not certification per gun. But thank you for that very interesting question. I thank you for all those questions. Hey, let's talk about the gun owner fuck-up of the week. And this is where I don't want you to have this problem. These are actual real problems that clients have and gets them calling me to help them. And when I hear about it, I say, I want to tell my audience about this so you don't make the same mistake. And here's the bottom line for this one today. When you go to a public toilet, do not remove your gun from your holster. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients forget their gun in the bathroom. It is way more common than you think. The preferred method is when you go to the bathroom and you pull down your pants, flip your underwear over the gun. So the elastic goes right around that gun and the holster. Do what you got to do and then put your pants back on. Do not remove the gun from your holster because it is very common to end up leaving it in the bathroom. 
and you don't want to leave your gun accidentally anywhere. And when you keep it in the holster, your odds of forgetting it are very seriously diminished. And if you are a uh, person who carries a gun in a purse, now purse carry, it, true it has to be concealed on your person, but there are some purses that allow for the on-person carry, depending on how you rig the purse. Or if you're in a jurisdiction that doesn't have a problem with purse carry, do not take your purse and hang it from the door of the public bathroom. Because it, 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 even if you don't have a gun, you shouldn't do that. Because it has been known for individuals to reach over the door when you're in a rather vulnerable state, I might add, and grab the purse and run. Now, I know of an actual case where a woman was at a public bathroom that was a major department store in the mall, and somebody reached over and snatched her purse off the hook on the bathroom door. Of course, by the time she could open the door and try to catch the person or do anything, they were long gone. So she went to security for the store and told them all about this and her purse being stolen. Well, later that afternoon, she got a call from security that they had recovered her purse and to come down and pick it up. So she was very happy about that. And when she came down to pick up her purse, security had no idea what she was talking about. And when she came home, her home had been robbed. That's right, because in the purse were her keys, and that was the follow-up to the purse theft. So, folks, uh, don't hang your purse, whether you have a gun or not, from the stall. And as a gun owner, keep your gun in its holster, even when going to the bathroom, so that you will not forget it. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.